Welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theme of the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode, and leave a five-star review while you're there. Did you know there is an easy way to help support the podcast and keep the show going? Buy Me a Coffee is an incredible new platform where you, the loyal Block Talk audience, can say thank you to your favorite host. All you have to do is show support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is you don't even need to create an account. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk and keep blocktalk going strong like a cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram at michaelblocktalk, on Twitter at blocktalknyc, and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. You may have seen her on your screen or out in the scene in NYC. It's the Empress of the Galaxy herself, Novazar. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I, I'm I'm very excited to have you because like it's very rare for me to have someone on the show who I've, you know, recapped before. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm very excited about that. I'm not sure if you listened to any of our recaps, but um I recapped all of Queen of the Universe. It was a fun little, fun little time. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, Wild um, show. Yeah. Do, uh, do you know who my first recap guest was for, for your episode? I don't. Who was your first guest? Miss Lyra Vega. Oh, my gosh. My amazing sister. I love her. We'll, we'll get to talk much more about her later on. But um, and we're going to talk about a lot more on Queen of the Universe. But we first have to talk about um, what we witnessed on Instagram yesterday. You got a tattoo or part one of the tattoo. I sure did. Yeah. Um, and it included numbing. Uh, yes, it did. And then the numbing wore off. Um, and then there was a process of pain um, and agony. But it's okay. Now, I voluntarily, um, because I needed to to feel better because I've been having mobility issues for the past year, I got like a whole um, uh, ablation uh, two weeks ago where they like burned my nerve. And I was like, that was painful. You like, voluntarily decided, let's put lots of needles in my chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's for the art. It's for the art. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, no pain, no gain. Art, art is subjective and also painful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all drag's painful too. I hear. I don't know. I don't. Oh, know. oh yeah, drag is very painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we are going to talk about drag because that is what you are known for. You are a, a drag star now. Um, but we're going to learn about you from the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. So, where are you from? So I was um, born in Livingston, New Jersey, <clears throat> and um, which is about thirty minutes, forty-five minutes outside of the city. Um, now let's before we get any further is that north jersey south jersey or central jersey there's only one correct answer i i'm gonna be so honest with you i don't really know much about my like uh my um birth okay group. okay so i really um, don't because because i'm from jersey and i get very mad when people say there's a central jersey i'm like Fuck you first off we're too small to be have three parts there's north jersey south jersey Livingston, that's 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 South Jersey. I oh, it's South. Okay, I was gonna say for me, for me, once you hit Newark Airport, everything is South. Okay, got it. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, right, well, yeah, so Livingston. 
Um, yeah, I lived there a year. Um, my Most of my family is from Livingston. And then my dad moved me and my brother and my mom to Virginia Beach when I was like one mm. years old. And then I lived there for like 18 years. Um, and then I was sick of it. And then I moved to Chicago for college. And then I moved to New York in 2018. Amazing. So let's talk about growing up in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Sure. Um, now, were you a beach kid? Did you love going to the beach or was living by the beach like, I'm sick of it. I can't do it anymore. Oh my gosh. So we lived about like 15-ish minutes if there was no traffic from the beach. Mm -hmm. And when I was really, really young, uh, me and my dad would go to the beach all the time. Like that was definitely... Um, very, very early childhood was definitely a highlight for me. I loved the beach. I loved the water. Um, and I just, I felt like really privileged in that way because the beach was like right there. And there was, um, there was the, by the oceanfront, Virginia beach is like this long strip that goes on for blocks and blocks of um, a tourist area, hotels, music, oh, park, yeah. restaurants, stuff like that. Um, and there was this hotel called the Cavalier Hotel, which is actually pretty famous. Um, and they, there was like an old one that was haunted and then a new one. And the new one had a pool outside that was basically like right on the beach. And so we would like sneak into the pool and pretend like we lived or were staying in the hotel. Um, and so I would swim in the pool and then go to the beach. Um, and that was definitely like really fun um, for me. And anytime I like see the water in New York, it reminds me of my childhood. Yeah, I used to um, go with a couple families down to Virginia Beach every summer. Uh, it, it's a beautiful place. It can be. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like 18 years. I'm done. Chicago, it is. Uh, I'm assuming you already had the theater bug, but you're like, Chicago, that's where I want to go. Well, yes and no. So I had the theater bug from like first grade mm -hmm. um, and then didn't start really doing musical theater till like third grade. And I actually really like desperately obsessed, wanted to go to school in Pittsburgh. I really wanted to go to Point Park um, University okay. and I wanted yep. to go to the conservatory there for musical theater. And I got waitlisted three times my senior year. And that was um, <clears throat> pure agony. <laughs> um, and then uh, randomly, a friend of mine was like, have you thought about Columbia College Chicago? And I was like, what the hell is that? Mm -hmm. um, and they were like, well, if you like apply, they'll literally accept you within a week. And I ended up going to Chicago. Um, and it wasn't on my radar, but I knew I wanted to go to a city and I wanted to be away from Virginia. Now, Chicago does have a good theater scene. Did you know yeah. about the theater scene prior to going to school? Not that much, but I definitely learned a lot while I was there um, and did a lot of theater um, stuff while I was there as well. So let's talk about going to theater school. There, a lot of us have done it. I went to theater school, not as a performer, but for stage management, so. I got the other side of things. Yeah. What What is the theater school experience like? Would you recommend it to other young artists today? Here's the thing. I went to um, an art high school before college for musical theater. I went to the Governor's School for the Arts in Norfolk, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And my experience is um, unique because of that. And I felt way more challenged um, and what I felt like I was pushed way more as, um, I guess, a young actor 
um, in that way because of my art school. And then when I got to college, I didn't feel challenged at all. Um, right. And I felt like I had learned everything that I that I needed to in my art school. And then when I got to college, I felt like I wasn't really understood by my teachers. And I felt like I was being put in this weird box. Um, and I kind of regret in a way going to college because I'm in so much debt now. And because I went to a call, uh, school before that, however, had I not gone to an art school in high school, I think my experience would have been a little different. So I feel a little jaded in a way, but I would say that training is training. Um, and I think if you're really passionate about musical theater or theater or dance or whatever it is, that the more training you can get, the better. So um, I would say that. And then also, I mean, you know, really any opportunity that you have to have sort of this collective of people who share the same interests, um, especially when you're growing up and you're um, becoming a young adult, I think is really important to gain connections and um, there are lifelong friends that you can meet. I think college is definitely um, important in that way, especially for theater people because right. we're so loving and we're so dramatic. Um, so, Very. Yeah. Now, obviously when it comes to classic theater, there are certain roles, certain uh, character types that when you go to the theater school that you have to fit into, mm-hmm. you have a very special, unique, incredible voice. It mm-hmm. doesn't fit necessarily into the classic theatrical um, canon. No. Did you have difficulties um, when it came to casting at school where perhaps your professor was like, we can't find a role for you because a lot of the roles that fit your voice now are just being created. Yeah, I did. Um, I felt like I had difficulty pretty much my whole life, um, unfortunately. Um, And it wasn't really until my junior year that I met this professor. Um, Her name was Linda, and she actually did a bunch of directing um, theater at the center in Chicago and big theaters and stuff like that. Um, And she gave me, um, you don't know this man from Parade, um, which if you don't know Parade, it's a really beautiful show um, by Jason Robert Brown. You should definitely check it out. Um, and it was in, it was in um, one of our theater classes. And she was like, I know what you want to do. And I can tell that you like really are a leading lady. And that was really one of the only moments that I felt seen. Um, and actually because of the fact that my professors were trying to put me in this like little box and be like, oh, you're like the, you're going to be the gay character. You can do kinky boots. You can do um, Book of Mormon. Like those are shows that you'll be able to do. Um, It sort of made me want to do drag even more because uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but um, just for like a quick sentence, drag is anything and everything you want it to be. And so I felt way more artistically fulfilled in that way because I wasn't getting what I wanted to do in musical theater. Let's talk about it. When did drag enter your life? So drag, I started dabbling in drag when I was 18 and I was still living in Virginia and there was a bar called Ambush, which doesn't exist anymore um, in Virginia Beach. And I saw this queen, her name was Naomi Black and I believe she's still in Virginia Um, and Cameron Fox and Kiara Queen, like all these amazing queens, Fuchsia DeVille. And at the moment I was really turned off to the idea. Like I, in high school, it's so funny. My friends still tell me that there was a point where I said I was never gonna do drag. 
um, because what I was seeing was female impersonation and female illusion. And for some right. reason at that moment in my time, in my life, um, uh, that just wasn't what I wanted to do. And then this queen, her name is Kiara. She currently lives in LA now. Um, she dabbled more on an androgynous form of drag and was also a dancer, went to the governor's school as well for dance. Um, and that's when my like head like twisted and I was like, oh, there's so much more to drag sure. than just female impersonation. Um, and so I became really good friends with her and she was able to show me the ropes a little bit. And then um, Cameron Fox, who was um, this amazing, beautiful trans woman, um, also sort of took me under her wing and became my drag mom, put me in drag for the first time. Um, and then I was slowly, slowly, slowly like dabbling um, once I got to college. And then when Sasha Valore won season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race, that's when everything fully changed um and that in that moment i was like oh okay this is what i want to do she changed my life forever really inspired me and made me want to take drag seriously so you did some drag in chicago what would you say is the biggest difference from drag in chicago to drag in new york um well i would say that the drag in Chicago mainly stays in one area, at least when I used to live there. Um, it's been a while since I've been back to Chicago. Um, but basically, Chicago stayed in this area called Boys Town. Um, and I, in New York City, you can literally go pretty much to any borough um, and see drag. Um, and I feel like in New York City, drag is um, a little more accepted, um, more normal, more supportive definitely a bigger scene here um and then i would also say that i do think that however the chicago drag scene definitely dabbles more on an alternative style of drag um there are, there's also a very big pageant scene there as well mm -hmm. um yeah so i would say those are some differences for sure what ultimately made you decide okay i'm done with chicago new york it is Oh my gosh. Well, there was a lot of factors. Um, but, uh, one of the reasons I've wanted to live in New York my entire life, that has mm -hmm. always been the goal, um, for as long as I can remember. So I always knew I wanted to be here. Um, and a lot of my friends wanted to stay in Chicago for a little bit and then move to New York, but I actually had moved to New York city the summer before I graduated college. Um, and I was getting a BFA in musical theater and I was supposed to stay, through 2019 through like the spring um and then when I decided I wanted to take drag seriously I dropped down to a BA which wasn't as many credits um and I had the opportunity to graduate early so I was able to graduate in December of 2018 um and that summer beforehand I moved to New York City I was like let me just go there let me sublet an apartment let me try and make connections and just see if I can survive in New York. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made because that's how I met so many people. And I almost didn't want to go back to Chicago because um, I was so in love with just the city and the scene and everybody was so welcoming. Um, and I never had felt more whole and I never felt more at home. Um, and that was, that was it. That was a wrap. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So went back to Chicago, finished school two days later and came back to New York. What is the origin story of your drag name and persona? So um, my legal name is Noah. Just don't tell anybody. 
Um, and, <laughs> and there was this little girl, her name was Nova when I was in elementary school. And I always was just like, so into her name because it sounded like mine, but was to me was cooler. Um, mm-hmm. and so it just like always stuck with me. So when I started drag, I was like, well, Nova has to be a part of it. Um, and then one day I literally was like walking by a Zara, the clothing store in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I stopped for a second and I said, Nova Zara. And then I was like, well, that sounds cool, but it kind of sounds like, um, like Xenon from Disney channel meets like Zelda warrior princess. Um, that was kind of like going through my mind. And then I was like, but people are going to think that I just copied Zara, the, the brand. And I was like, I don't want copyright issues like Jansport. Um, so I took an A off at the end and I, it, it no bizarre. I was like, oh my God, like that is, that really I, it felt like electricity, like went through my whole body. And I was like, this is the name. And then, um, through like a friend, we kind of discovered that it could mean Empress of the galaxy because Nova, like galactic space, um, which is something I've always been really interested in. And then czar, like a Russian ruler, royalty and queen. Um, it just kind of all flowed and made sense. Nice. How many times have people misspelled your name? Oh, honey. Um, if I had a dollar for every person that misspelled my name, I'd be able to pay off my student loans. I'd be able to pay off all the money I spent on Queen of the Universe and then have some. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. How would you <laughs> describe Novazar in three words? Novazar is, um, she's definitely a chameleon. Mm-hmm. Um, she is dramatic. And she is um, a Beltress, let's see. All right. How long does it take to transform into Novazar nowadays? Now I kind of have it down to this um, to timing science where if I am just no distractions, I can do it in like an hour and 30 minutes. Not bad, not bad. Do you have any traditions when you get ready? Yes. Um, so I always like to light a candle. Um, mm-hmm. I have this mirror that lights up that also plays music. So I um, play some of my favorite music, um, Diana the Musical um, or anything from Broadway that I really like or Florence the Machine, Robin, even if I'm learning a new song for that night, I play that. Um, I always have like my food next to me because usually I'm in a rush and getting ready while eating at the same time. Um, but my, my lights have to be on, my door has to be shut and locked and I have to be like focused. That's right. kind of you, how that goes. You brought something up. Um, are you a Diana the Musical fan because of the quality or because of how campy bad it is? I I personally love the feminist story mm-hmm. of it all and the okay. music. That, okay. it, and like Gina DeWall mm-hmm. is everything to me. Um, yeah, I know that, the reviews were bad. I know people have their opinions. I'm actually working on a Diana series content moment happening soon. Um, I have I have a dear friend, Nashley Tisdale, uh, who loves, swears by this musical. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was high and it still was terrible. Oh I was like, I, was, I thought I was going to be watching Toxic Avenger. The music sounded identical. It is the same creators. Uh-huh. Um, so it makes sense. But oh my God, I couldn't get, I, I, I watched it. I got yeah. through it. But yeah. I was like, this is so good to hate watch. It's so fun. Well, I'm also really into like a pop rock sound. Sure, of course. Um, and so that's also another reason too. 
which goes I into was, the I, I was just waiting for the show to end and then like a whole uh set by a new drag queen named uh princess diana car crash ah. um i was waiting <laughs> for that to just happen because that's how the vibe i was getting from this musical but listen i know you are a big fan of it um, I know Holly Box Springs is a big fan of it. I'm not wow. gonna, if, I'm not gonna uh, Diana shame anyone, but it's not for me. Not my musical. <laughs> okay, there are more out there. Don't worry. There are. There are many, many more. Now, let's say you can get any makeup product from any company. What is your favorites? What do you love to use? Okay, so foundation highlight contour creams. The Juvia's Place Foundation is really, really good. Um, it just works well for my skin, my skin, um, texture. I kind of have like a really weird dry skin, um, situation going on. Um, and that really helps also, um, black owned company, which is hello. Amazing. Um, important to support. I also really love, I have this Alexis stone palette that I really Mm -hmm. love that stains my skin, but that's how I like it. Um, the pigment is just so strong. Um, I also, what else do I use? Oh yeah, the Sugar Pill Taco White Eyeshadow is the uh-huh. best, unmatched. Um, yeah, those are some of my like top three favorite um, company products when it comes to makeup. Now let's say a company says, Novazar, it's time. You get your own palette. Ooh. What colors must be included? Neon, anything neon. Um, definitely a black, the blackest night eyeshadow you can find because I do this crazy black wing. Um, mm-hmm. That's really important. And definitely um, a like moon white, 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 like white, like the clouds also mm-hmm. as well. And then everything else has to be neon. There's gotta be like a neon pink, a neon green, a neon yellow, a neon orange in there for sure. I, I use like so many different colors. Yeah. Um, so you the, got the, the rainbow. Yeah, the more colorful, the better for me. And maybe like a glitter. So when you came to New York, who were some of the first people that helped you out um, in your journey here? The one of the first people actually, she made a status on Facebook and so many people commented and were like DMing me for like lunch and booking this up was actually Katrina Lovelace. And she saw me in Chicago um, at a gig and she was like, oh my gosh, like you're this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like, you're from New York. I'm coming to New York. And she was like, well, let me know when you're there. I'll help you out. And she kept her word. Um, and she got me again with Ari Kiki. We go really way back. Um, oh gosh, I feel like this is so long ago. It's so- Oh, Nicole Anoscopy, who used to live here. Um, Gilda Wabbit, oh God bless her. Um, she doesn't live here anymore. She's in uh, Louisville now, Louisville, Kentucky. But she used to give me a lot of gigs and she's a fellow singing queen. Um, Yes, though. Oh, wow. That's that's wild to think about. That's so long ago. Right. Like, it, it's, it, is it is it long ago or is it because COVID made it feel so long ago? It's a whole different well, world. I think it's a little bit of both because yeah. it's been like three years. But yeah, COVID ch- changed everything. It, it sure did. All right. Who are some of your inspirations in drag, both as drag artists and uh, non-drag artists? Yeah. Um. So my number one inspiration, as I already mentioned, is Sasha Velour. Um, she just, she pushes the boundaries to a whole different level, um, in my opinion, and her artistic, creative, classy mind, um, is something that I aspire to be. Um, also leading ladies such as Stephanie J. Block, Adina Menzel, Eden Espinosa, Jessica Bosk, um, those big names in musical theater are- 
Yes, all the Beltrises, Julia Murney, live for those women. Um, also got Mick, some, some recent queens from Drag Race, Scott Mick really inspires me as well, like aesthetically in their story um, and how they're a trans man, but they dabble with a more feminine androgynous aesthetic in drag. I think that is really, really cool. Um, I still love Raja, like way back from season three, she still inspires me. Um, I think Violet Chachki's actually, I used to not really like her, but now as of recently, I think she's really, um, she's doing some really interesting things and she's changed drag in a way as well. Um, who else do I really love? Um, I, I mean, Honey Davenport is actually one of my drag mothers. Um, so it would be a terrible, it would be a terrible child if I didn't say Honey Davenport inspires me, which she does. She absolutely does. Um, uh, yeah. How would you describe your drag style? Because obviously like the average person viewing drag, they see drag race. That's what drag quote unquote should be. Yeah. You don't necessarily fit that mold. So how would you describe your drag style for, you know, the, the streaming world? Sure. So Novazar, one thing about me is that um, I'm very, I like to be ed as edgy as possible. And I always say that um, I'm kind of inspired by the capital from the Hunger Games, like the fashion, um, super avant-garde, um, pu pushing the edge of what fashion can be and what it can look like, um, pushing the edge of gender. Um, sometimes I go a little more like rock and punk. Um, I'm inspired by the street art of Brooklyn and I spray paint a lot of my stuff. Um, and then sometimes I like to go super high feminine, um, and try to paint a little softer and do more quafted hair, um, with like pretty dresses and things like that. Um, and just look hot. Um, yeah. I would also say that definitely an alien, um, sometimes clown. I, I really just dabble with a bunch of different things. I, I get inspired by something new every single day. And I'm always just like, I always try to attack that idea um, and somehow bring it to life. Let's talk fashion a little bit. Where do you find your inspirations and how do you put a look together? Well, um, I find sometimes I find my inspirations from other queens who have been on Drag Race or on Instagram or on social media. Um, Sasha Valor as well. Um, sometimes I literally just find a jacket off of Amazon and I spray paint it. And then I'm like, okay, cool. I have these pants that I can spray paint as well that I can have match the jacket. And then I have this cute little leotard that I can wear underneath that is like a pop of color. And then I have, cool, I have this mohawk that is black right now, but I can spray paint it silver and throw it on top and we're ready to go. Um, I kind of, I feel like because I've been creating and doing drag for a while now, I kind of get into this um, routine where I sort of know how to um, put together a look that is cohesive and still within like the vein of Novazar. Um, and I sort of sometimes recycle ideas, but always try to find a way to like twist it and make it different than it used than it was before, because right. I don't like to repeat looks. Um, I always like to try to do something different, try to look different um so I don't get stagnant um you know who are some of your favorite collaborators to work with when it comes to looks I love when I have the budget for it um I like working with Beck Jones um mm -hmm. he's a new up-and-coming designer in New York City 
and he helped me with a lot of my Queen of the Universe looks. He just, he's one, so professional, um, also very young, but very talented. And he just understands kind of my creative mind and knows I really trust him. I'll like give him an idea and he'll, he'll paint something, he paints his um, designs, which I think is so cool. And so up my, my alley. Um, sure. And it's this like avant-garde crazy piece that I never would have thought of that I just fall in love with. Um, in terms of hair, I usually like to work with Misty Meaner, um, who's a queen in Brooklyn, who's been around forever. Um, and then there's this other designer, wig designer, their name is Drag LA or Drag Labs um, on Instagram. And they've made some of my hair recently as well. They're fabulous to work with. Um, and then Diego Vargas, I worked with them before and they're a, a lovely human being, fabulous designer also. Is there anyone you're dying to work with? Honestly, I would love as um, cliche as this sounds, I still have a dream of working with Diego Montoya. Um, and I, I actually try to work with him with queen of the universe, but he was too busy. <laughs> um, so maybe one day, but that would be like a dream come true to have a Diego Montoya piece. Absolutely. All right. So when you were first finding your footing in New York city, like many other young Queens, you took part in the drag competition circuit. Mm-hmm. Why is it important to participate in drag competitions when you're first starting out? So this is the thing, one of the things I love about New York is that there are opportunities for younger queens to um, share their art in a space, whether it be open stages or competitions in this um, context. And I think competitions are so important. One, because you can literally do one every day of the week at a different mm-hmm. venue, at a, in a different borough. And that, that is an amazing resource, an amazing tool. Um, and it's important because some of them have judges, which are people who are currently working in nightlife or who have been around for a long time, um, who can get you gigs, who can get you bookings, um, who just, you can make connections with. And then also you can meet some other sisters who can also help you in that way. And you just never know who can be the audience. You never know what some, what somebody's planning in terms of a show, um, or if they're hiring at their bar, you just never know. And so I think that that's why competitions are so important because it's also a learning process in so many different okay. ways. Um, and yeah, and I, I think that the competitions here are um, honestly like a privilege um, that we even have them in New York, that it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Polish the Queen, season four, crown yeah. on your head. Proud what, of was my ex- what was that experience like? Oh you, you fought for it. You, you were out I there probably every season for it. Did. Yeah, I did um, the finale of season three and I made top three for that. Mm. Um, and I had done Polish the Queen for a while and became very close with the creators and producers of Polish the Queen and the sisters there. And when it came to season four, I was like, if I do not win, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it was really important to me. And when I put my mind to something, I like really go for it, like wholeheartedly, but very all or nothing kind of individual. Um, And I knew that I wanted to do something um, different and something that had never been done before. And I wanted to add live instruments and live singing and tell this whole story. And I worked with the designer and which I hadn't done before actually prior to that. 
Um, and so that was kind of my first time, like really putting my all into um, a big competition here in New York. And it was stressful. I mean, leading up to it, it was really fun. But I remember that night, everything happening, there were so many girls, so many contestants in that small room downstairs in Stonewall. And I was just like laser focused on winning. Um, and it happened. And I'm just so grateful. And there was a lot of people that helped me with that. Um, and I said, when I, during my interview section, I said, if I win tonight, it's not a win for me. It's a win for everybody in my community that's helped me out, everybody on my team. Cause you know, drag takes a village for it to happen. It does. And there was a lot of people who went out of their way to make sure that I was comfortable and that whatever I wanted to happen was able to come to fruition. COVID has taken a toll on the entertainment industry, forcing many of us to remain creatively active while in-person gigs were on hiatus. How did lockdown and quarantine affect you as an artist? In so many ways. Um, so I lost a lot of my gigs for, I was on the verge of becoming a full-time drag queen before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. um, and I was on a very high, good trajectory. Um, and then I was out of work for, I think like a year or something like that. And I was on unemployment. Um, and I started doing online shows with Lyra Vega every week. Um, and, you know, I think, I think it forced a lot of us to get creative. And, you know, I think there was a moment where we all sort of felt hopeless and we weren't sure, um, if we were going to ever see each other again or how we were going to come back. And I think that, um, having this experience put a lot of things into perspective for us. And especially for me, there was a lot of life lessons that I needed to learn as an artist. Um, and the way that, um, I felt like I was interacting with people in nightlife. Um, and I felt like for me, it was definitely a growing experience in terms of who I am as an individual and the way that I express myself in nightlife. And I feel like I've grown so much over that time period. Um, and I feel like I sort of came out um, a more realized queen um, and a more well-rounded professional um, in the in the like community. What did you learn about yourself as an artist and as a person? Um, I learned that I can be um, aggressive when I want something or someone. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I, I definitely got checked um, by some individuals within the scene, um, which, you know, whether or not the approach was, um, I guess, the, the most wholesome, I definitely think in that moment, it was um, an opportunity for me to sort of go into my inner self and sort of look at patterns of what I used to do and what I used to say to people and how I would approach situations and sort of check myself and realize how my actions can affect other people, um, especially as a white person um, in general. Um, and so I felt like now I've learned how to be more sensitive and think about other people, think about things before I say them, think about things before I post them on social media, think about, um, you know, pick, try to pick and choose your battles um, right. and know when to when it's your turn to speak and when it's not your turn to speak. Um, I also learned not to shit where you eat. And I learned that, you know, nightlife is a very tight knit community. community. And for me, um, my art is literally everything to me and is my will to live. And so 
I think that going into go coming out of quarantine, I sort of had led with that in the forefront of my mind and making sure that the things that I do and the things that I say don't come in the way of my art and like what I want to do. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, what have you, did you, have you struggled a lot with it? Have, has there been um, people in the scene who have affected your art because of the past? Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, and not only here, um, there's been, you know, individuals kind of spread throughout, um, which in a way, grateful, for, grateful that it happened because it made me grow and it changed me as an individual. Um, it made me sort of realize that I was doing things that may not have been, um, the most kosher and the most healthy. Um, but you know, I feel like now I, and the hindsight and the bigger picture, I realize that it's made me, um, a better individual. And I think that, um, made me a person that hopefully is better to be around and has a, um, a more welcoming and more loving energy. Um, and I think that, you know, realizing that I'm things that I could have done or things that I have done may have hurt or made people uncomfortable. And that's a kind of a hard pill to swallow in any situation. Um, but I think once you realize that you take it, you take accountability and then you, um, apply the action to move forward, to not repeat the same mistakes. I think it makes you, um, a stronger individual. And I think it, um, it helps you kind of move forward in life onto your next journey. And so that was definitely like a very big learning lesson for me in, in many different ways. And also, you know, there were so many, there was the looting going on and there was all the, the social um, injustice uprising that was happening like throughout the city um, and the country. And so I think me taking the time to go to protests um, and to go to talks and things like that and like listen and really take a moment to um, understand what was going on I felt also helped me grow as an individual as well. That's great. Well, let's talk about a big moment in your life. Drag is all over the world and the universe. You were part of the inaugural season of Queen of the Universe. Yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of secrets that you can't share, but I want to dive into this once of a lifetime experience. Now, first off, I obviously, I I hear things. I know things. I know when things are about to happen. Um, I was totally tipped off that you were on the show. Do you know why you want to know why? Why? Because you kept your uh, nearby friends on, on Facebook. So when I had look, was on there one day, you were, it was like, Novazar traveling London. I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. I see what's going on. And then you disappeared. I was like, I got it, figured it out. And then of course the, the, the world started chattering and like the leaks started coming out. I was like, Got it. So, friends, if you're ever going on to any television program, turn off nearby friends. Just yeah, it. It. No idea. Um, <laughs> I was like, yes, okay, I got it. There's that the scoop. So but funny. overall, before we get into the specifics of it, what was it like to be part of Queen of the Universe? Oh goodness, Queen of the Universe was wild. Um, just, I mean, like I said, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, that I'm so grateful for. And it was, it was a a wild, unlike any experience I've ever had in my entire life. Um, There was a lot that I learned and um, I gained like 13 other worldly sisters, Juju Mm -hmm. being one of them, who's a freaking icon. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I was literally texting her yesterday, like, and that's, I just don't know in what lifetime I could have ever said something like that. Um, and 
just the whole experience in general was like so unpredictable. And I, it, there were moments where I was like, am I dreaming right now? Like, is this really happening to me? Like, um, yeah, it was insane. It was an absolutely insane. What was the audition process like? Obviously there was the, the announcement that the show was happening and then a bit of a casting call. What, what can you share about the audition process? Yeah. So the casting call came out and I wasn't going to audition because I was like, it's literally the whole world and sure I'm good, but I don't know if I'm that good to compete with people from, you know, other countries and such. Um, and so then I, I ended up auditioning and literally it was like, send in, um, I think it was a 15 second clip of you singing acapella and drag and fill out this little form. And I was like, okay. And I did that. Um, like I was about to head to a gig and just did it really quickly and sent it off. And then two weeks later, I got a text from somebody from World of Wonder that said, hey, this is so-and-so from World of Wonder. We saw your video from Queen of the Universe um, and we're interested in chatting with you if you have some time. And I literally freaked out and I thought I was getting punked. Um, but they, we talked on the phone and they, you know, sung my praises, which was um, insane in general and amazing. And I was like crying because I was like, this is, this is insane. Um, and then from there, it turned into a Zoom interview. Um, and then after that, I basically had to send them like a drag race tape, basically. Like they wanted photos and videos and runways and all this stuff. Um, and, and yeah, so there was a lot of stuff like that that I had to do. Um, and then I waited, I think like three weeks. And then I got an email from one of the head producers who said that I was still in the running. Um, and that turned into like two um, Zoom work sessions where we worked on a bunch of different songs um, and stuff that I may or may not have was going to sing on the show. Um, and then in August, I uh, they, they told me, they were like, okay, in a week, we'll let you know if you got on or not. Um, and then in August, I got a call that I was on the show and that I had a month to prepare. I like the race. Good luck. <laughs> right. Literally, literally. What is it like to go from virtual local drag oblivion to globally recognized? Oh my gosh. Um... Was it hard? Was it a learning curve for you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh my God. In so many ways. Um, I learned, I mean, just being in another country in general is like a whole different thing. Um, you know, there they use their, everything's in pounds. It's not in right. you know regular U S dollars, which is an, a thing that you have to learn. There's different lingos, um, and stuff like that. Like a go-kart, they call it a buggy. Mm -hmm. um which I thought was really funny um and just certain certain like little lingo stuff like that also I learned um when to say no to a producer when you feel like it's not going to benefit you but at that time I had never been on tv before um yeah. I was like I'll do whatever you want sure you mean to sing that song that doesn't um show off my voice in any way shape or form or what I can do sure I'll do it um, and yeah, they're just so many different things. And then also I was so nervous. I was terrified. Um, just being on that set with those judges and that money, 
um, and feeling like alone and feeling like I didn't have my best friends with me, which was really hard for me because I talk to my best friend pretty much every day. He's like my brother. Um, and having to like leave New York and go to London, which I've never been before, um, was definitely interesting. And then also like they, the crew were so accommodating and literally would not left, let you lift a finger. Um, and that was, that was also something to get used to because I mean, despite what you may have heard or what other people may have heard, I'm not, I'm a very self-sufficient person and I'm not necessarily a diva. And so there were things that I wanted to do. I was like, I can grab my bag. Like, no, 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 we got it for you. We got it for you. I'm like, I, I, it's just a bad, like I can hold it. Like, no, 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 we got it. We got it. And they're, I'm like, I feel, I felt bad at one point, um, that they were doing all these things are like, we're literally getting paid to cater to you. So that was something that I had to get used to. Um, and I was like, well, this is, I guess, quote unquote, celebrity life. Um, so that's, it's interesting. It's definitely something to adapt to. And some people take advantage of it. Um, and some people don't. Now, obviously I, I, uh, recapped every episode. I went through it. I watched it multiple times. I, I do this. This is my thing. I am a, um, when it comes to drag, a, a drag reality TV connoisseur, I'm a historian. I, 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 I see how things work now say what you're allowed to say going into the show did you know what the rules were and how the elimination format was going to work no we knew nothing we didn't know anything at all Mm -hmm. um i didn't know who the judges were what the prize money how many queens were there what the what the i this is what we knew we knew that there was going to be um an all-star judges panel um we didn't know how many episodes there were going to be. We knew that round one was going to be for the judges and that we were going to sing our song. There was going to be a runway and that they were going to, um, they were going to vote for what Queens that they wanted to move forward. And then from that point, and I guess episode two or the next round, that's when the studio audience was going to come in right. and then they were going to vote every week. However, I mean, obvious, obviously we all got the slap in the face as much as you did because no one saw that kind of big elimination coming. Again, I watch reality TV. I watched American Idol. I watched The Voice. I know how these shows work. Never in the first round of a show like this is there a half the cast cut. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. Do you think if the audience had a vote in that first round, there would be differences going forward? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I agree. Well, I fully agree. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about your performance of Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman. It was very theatrical, made a case um, that this song could translate to the stage for theater. Mm -hmm. What made you choose that song? Um, Obviously, we got to hear in your intro package about being non-binary. Was this your chance to share your story through song? Um, No, uh, because I didn't choose the song. Um, And (laughs) if I get in trouble for it, whatever. Um, yeah, I didn't choose that song. I, um, wanted to do Into the Unknown from Frozen, um, which did, which would have shown off my high belt. Um, but we couldn't get the rights for it, which makes sense. Um, and then I, I mean, I, I sent them like 30 songs cause they asked for, they, they gave us each category and they're like, okay, you need to send us like these many songs for these per category. Um, and so I sent them all these songs and, um, there was some musical theater, there was some pop, there was some rock. 
Um, there was some uh, disco, like Hot Stuff by Donna Summer was in there. Like I really, I tried to make sure that I wasn't just giving them musical theater, which is my background, but I want to show them I could sing so many other things. And then there was a point where they sent me a list of songs um, very close to me getting cast. And that song was on one of the lists. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was unfortunate. And I kind of had to just, you know, like I said, like I was, I was green in that way um, where I thought that, well, let me not go against what the producers want because maybe they have some plan for me. And, you know, little did I know that they had a plan and it wasn't um, what I, you know, thought. Well, yeah, because like, again, in that first episode recap, I was like, I know no bizarre. This is not what she would do first episode. This is like episode two, three down the line in American Idol, where, you know, you're going to be safe and everything's going to be fine. And you just get to showcase what you do. This is an episode one. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, something's off. Because, again, there were some other interesting choices from other artists that night. You're like, what? Yeah. Well, yeah oh you you chose that okay because yeah. again that's what we as the audience are led to believe yeah a lot of us didn't um choose what we wanted which was unfortunate um but, but at the end of the day it's still reality television yeah exactly so and i'm still i'm still on the first cast i'm still the only queen from exactly. new york the youngest queen on the show so yeah you know well I, obviously photo dumps show that you and your fellow eliminated sisters got to travel and explore what were yeah. some of your favorite memories? Oh my gosh. Oh, there's so many. Okay. So right after the day after I got eliminated, um, first of all, I thought I was going to come back. I was like, oh, I'm going to come back. Like, I'm going to be that girl. If you were British, maybe. <laughs> uh, hello. Okay. Um, no. So I actually went to go see Frozen in the West End, like the night Lovely. after, which is one of my favorite shows. And I want to be Elsa so badly. Um, Samantha and Barks was, was in it. Yeah, and she was incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I had like three glasses of champagne. It was a moment. Um, I mean, so- talk about talk about reality star to uh, theater star. She started right. on a reality show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like in Les Mis. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a very magical experience and it made me like fall in love with theater all over again. And definitely the inspiration I needed after an experience like that. Um, and then, yeah, so like basically all the queens that got eliminated as they got eliminated, they moved us to a different hotel that was down the street from where we were filming. Um, and we had a pool and a hot tub and we got to stay like basically next to each other in all the rooms. So we got really close. We literally had dinner with each other every night. Um, sometimes we had breakfast with each other and we went out um, to, oh God, a oh, brick lane, um, some, which is like, um, what is, what is it? What am I thinking of? Like a food um, kind of vendor, area situation um and then there was also this other area that i can't think of the name right now um that had a bunch of different shops and stuff like that so we did a lot of shopping and sightseeing and we went to different museums we went to the tate museum um and just kind of explored london and actually Jinzilla, when she got eliminated um, spoiler for those who don't know, because <laughs> I didn't watch the episode. Um, I guess this is all kind of a spoiler alert, but whatever. Um, she's from Australia, but she was living in London at the time. Right. So she was able to kind of show us around the, uh, around London too. Um, and then we and Grag Queen and, um, Ronnie, oh gosh. Um, and Leona, we all went out 
at one point like enter the clubs which uh, that was a fun time um and i made out with some brazilian and he was beautiful um and i got really close with the choreographer as well um and the like kind of visual designer her name is beth um and some of the dancers so i think really just getting close with like the people who worked on the show was definitely one of the best experiences for me and kind of made it all worthwhile like those connections that i made absolutely and you got to explore london um probably mostly on their dime Yo, oh, it was <laughs> that's the dream. That's the dream, yeah, right? It there. was like a little vacation in a way, which I kind of felt guilty about. Um, but it was like I just got eliminated. So, like, whatever. Like, when in London, now, you know? obviously, Juju B, you, you knew who she was prior to filming. Was there anyone else you were familiar with? Um, I had researched Ada Vox before I got on the show. Um, and we actually now share the same manager and she's like one of my sisters and I still want to collab with her at some point because our voices are similar in a way. Yeah. She's like a crazy high belter like me. Um, but that's the only queen that I knew. I didn't really know anybody else. Yeah. I mean, obviously some of your, your sisters have had reality TV show experience. Did yeah. they, do you feel like they had an upper hand on knowing how the reality show inner workings worked or was it just a new experience for all of you? Um, well, Betty had on TV before and Jenzilla, obviously Juju and Ada. Um, I think Leona was as well. Leona. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they, they, in a way kind of knew like how things worked, but the whole elimination process, they did not right. know that that was going to happen. So they were also kind of gagged in that way as well. Right. Is there anything from Queen of the Universe experience that you would have done differently? Yeah, I would have told him I don't want to sing that fucking song. What would, you, what would your dream song have been? Because you have a very extensive songbook. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I just love a lot of musical theater. Um, honestly, I would have loved to sing Into the Unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been, that would, I feel like that would have changed my whole trajectory. And it's interesting because I remember them being like, well, we don't want to show off like, your all your chops or all your tricks right off the bat but if you look at like what ada did she literally like belted her face off um and uh rahina and ronnie so i just yeah i i definitely would have done that differently and i feel like i could have i could have done into the unknown first and then hopefully had moved on and shown other parts of my voice because i don't just belt like i do other things as well i'm trained in a lot of different aspects of music Leland wrote four songs for uh, the duets. Which one would you have wanted to sing? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I back off bitch was so um, mm-hmm. iconic. So I won't say that. I think the one that Greg and, um, and Ronnie did together. Damn, damn that man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, damn that man. That was a. That was uh, when a- I heard that one, I was like, RuPaul is screaming into the phone right now and saying, "How dare you not use that for my show?" Yeah, or the one that um the the girl power one that Jinzilla mm-hmm. and Rahina did. I liked that one too. Yeah, it, they they were all good. Leland's very talented. Oh my very god, talented man. Yes, and really sweet too. Mm-hmm. Any advice for future competitors of season two or beyond? I would say go in. First of all, don't spend as much money as I did because I spent way too much um, when I didn't realize that the look category, as we saw, was not as important as, say, Drag Race. 
Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I would say going with an open heart, open heart and open mind. Um, understand it's a reality television show and that any opportunity to be on TV is an opportunity for success um, and to share your art and to share who you are as an individual and that you were very lucky. Um, and, you know, if you can try to sing what you want and try to show who you are and don't try to, or I guess don't, um, even though they're going to try, don't let the producers um, try and persuade you in a certain direction. Make sure that you're, make sure that what you show on TV, even though you like you sign a contract um, is who you authentically are. I think that is really Absolutely. important. Through this experience, you have put out some of your own original music, including Mm -hmm. Empress. What is it like to now be an official recording artist? Oh my gosh, it's really cool. Um, I I used to write music in college that never got like produced or anything, Um, but I love it um, and I'm planning to do more. Um, there's some, definitely some stuff in the works right now with some other artists that I'm really excited about. Um, but just being in a recording studio, um, and working with a producer and having something created just for you, um, and is, is on a, it's a whole nother way of like expressing yourself and sharing your voice, um, figuratively and literally, um, that was like so fulfilling for me. Um, and I, I like, well, I want to create an album one day. Like that's definitely um, something that I'm really interested in. And so it's, it's, it's magical. Is there a, one of the all-star judges that you would love to duet with? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say I'm a, I'm a big Michelle Visage fan, even though she didn't like my under eye makeup, which I've since changed um, and cleaned Tell up. Tell her who you showed her. Huh? Have you showed her your new change? Um, you know, I have not slid into her DMs and been like, how do you like this? But maybe if I get on Drag Race one day, we'll have that conversation. Um, but honestly, I would love to, because Vanessa Williams is a Broadway person. So it's either Michelle or Vanessa definitely would be really, really cool. Hey, Michelle's technically theater queen too. She was in Everybody's Talking About Jamie. That's true. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michelle's like that, like motherly figure that I, that I like really could vibe with. Um, but I feel like Vanessa's done a little more theater. Um, okay. so, yeah. Now, obviously you got to perform at the Glam Awards uh, on a night that you won. Congratulations. I still you. have not. It's fine. I'll get over it one day. <laughs> um, when my, when my category is not in a public vote, I'll maybe I'll win. Right. Anyway. You got to perform your song as I, I kind of joked. I was like, oh my God, it looks like um, the children from Joseph and the Amazing Second Girl Dreamcoat. Like you ah! got the, our chorus going here. I love um, it. What, we, what was it like to get to perform your own music? That was stage. That was so special um, because when I first moved to New York, I went to the Glam Awards and there were some individuals um, who shall not be named um that told me that I would never be nominated for a glam war don't even think about winning you'll never perform um and you know I like to beat the odds and not only was I nominated for five glam awards I won one and got to perform which was honestly a huge dream come true for me because performing at the Sony Hall is amazing and magical and like literally it's on Broadway which is really cool especially for somebody like me um and just you know like share my voice and my art with like all of not all of New York City nightlife but for a majority of them um for people who book people and 
um, can you give people opportunities and stuff? That was really special for me. And, you know, the icing on top was being able to perform something that I actually wrote that I poured my heart and soul into with a bunch of people who I connect with um, and vibe with. Um, And just, yeah, it was, it was amazing. For me, it felt like a very theatrical song. Yeah. Is there some sort of narrative or story that you want to put into your music that maybe you'll put in onto stage, whether it is full on musical or more of like concept album? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so actually I was writing a con I was trying to write a song cycle in college called the invisible dream that I might revisit at some point. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm like, Nova's are the Empress of the galaxy. It's there's a whole nother world totally. <laughs> of, of avenues that I can go down. Um, and with this, what I really wanted to do is create kind of a theme song for who Nova's are is, mm-hmm. um, and kind of be a little vague in a way. Um, and then I felt like as I wrote more, I could kind of be a little more specific and, sure. um, you know, create more, um, more more of a a concrete story um and backstory for who Novazar is um but i will say that when so the producer who wrote um the song empress or who wrote the music for it and i wrote the lyrics um his name is roman and he said give me two songs that you want this to sound like and i said i want a let it go from frozen mixed with like a noga deed from wicked um and so that's kind of how the music came to be and then i created the lyrics and i got really high and listened to the music and spent three hours just writing. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how it all came to be. Love that. So you will be soon touring the country, appearing on the main stage of DragCon and maybe featured in a little docu-series on Reverie. Yeah. Is this everything you've dreamed of? And, and what can you share about your upcoming ventures? Um, is it everything I dreamed of? Uh, I would say after Queen of the Universe, I thought that things were going to be a little more um fast-paced and I thought that um I was going to be a little more famous I was going to have more followers I thought that I was going to be traveling a lot more than I am um but you know I think that the world hands you what you can handle at that moment in time totally so I've kind of accepted my fate accepted what I have and I'm grateful for what I have and sort of taking whatever I have now and sort of trying to milk it as much as I possibly can um so i guess at this moment i'm just um grateful to have what i have and to push forward with what i have um i will say that yes i will be a part of a docuseries on reverie that i can't really talk too much about because i haven't signed a contract yet (laughs) um but it is going to be happening um and that you'll be able to know more about who i am and kind of my journey which is very exciting to share you know any opportunity to share and, and what i have to offer is um important and amazing um and yeah i'm planning a tour um just a travel tour by myself i'm going to virginia which is where i'm from haven't been there in a while um trying to go to florida never been there um denver i've been there and i want to go back and um, I'm going to LA for DragCon, which I've never been to LA actually, or California. And I got asked to perform on the main stage, which is amazing and super exciting. And then I'm also going to Portland. Um, never been there either. And I got some friends there. And then down the line, I think in July, I might be going back to Pittsburgh and then potentially Amsterdam. Um, I know a queen there too, who said she can maybe help me out. So yeah, definitely some cool things in the works. All right, we're going to play our first game. It is simply called Finish the Sentence. Are you ready? My favorite color is? Neon green. 
If I were an animal, I'd be a dolphin. My favorite superhero is Spider Man. My dream vacation is um, Bahamas. The best concert I've been to is Ooh, Black Eyed Peas. All right. My yeah. favorite food is um, Slurpees. My biggest pet peeve is Ugh, not texting back or leave me on bread, <laughs> not texting back. That's yeah. annoying. My favorite musical is Next to Normal. The name of my custom fragrance would be called <laughs> um, Galaxy. The next country I want to perform in is Ooh, um, Amsterdam. That's a country, right? Netherlands. The Netherlands. The Netherlands, yes. Holland, as, as they're formally called. Right, not geography. We love to go behind the music. What is, in your opinion, your signature number and how did it become your signature number? Oh, goodness. Um, what am I? Okay, it's probably something that I've been singing recently. I would say um, a lot of people know me for singing. Well, as of recently, no, let me, um, LOL. Um, let's say Into the Unknown because um, I've sung it a lot and it sits in a, a really nice place in my voice. Um, <clears throat> and I would say that, you know, here's the thing. I, I try to live my life day to day and deal with what I'm, what's happening in that day, because, um, especially as of recently, there's unfortunately been a lot of, um, loss within the New York city nightlife community. And I would like to take the moment to say that, um, I, my heart goes out to everybody who has lost somebody as of recently and the past, um, and, you know, and of course, moving forward, it's inevitable. Um, and so I think that we, I am sort of understanding that no day is promised, no second is promised and that we should just take every moment for what it is and be grateful that we are still here on this planet in this human form. And I think this whole song about into the unknown literally is about that is about sure. going into the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen next and you should just take um, whatever you have and just milk it for as, as much as you possibly can and take every opportunity um, and live and live it to its full capacity, w given the circumstances of what you have going on in your life. And I think that for me, um, you know, I live for my art and um, I feel, I also feel like into the unknown is such a war cry, um, which is something that I really identify with. I feel like my whole life has been a war cry. Um, and I feel like kind of Novazar is um, so, uh, a, a warrior in a way. And so I think all that connected is why Into the Unknown is definitely like my, I guess, signature sort of song. Obviously, New York is known for the lip syncs. Everyone lip syncs. <clears throat> You're yeah. a singer. Do you yeah. still get to do a balance of lip sync and live sync? Yes. Oh my gosh. I lip sync every week. Um, I host a drag race viewing party at the monster where I do um, performances in the commercial breaks. Um, and I'll do like a, a live singing and then I lip sync the rest and I'll like live sing at the end. Um, also on Friday and on Saturday and Sundays, I work at the monster in pieces. I also lip sync there. I, I love to lip sync. Um, and when I started drag, I used to only sing. And then a queen was like, so if you want to work, you need to know how to lip sync as well, because not every venue has the um, technology or the All sound right. system for you to sound good, um, which is very true. And sometimes my voice is tired. And Absolutely. Um, 
belt my face off. It's, it's exhausting. My voice is a muscle and sometimes it needs a rest. Um, and so, you know, that's where I lip sync and I enjoy it. Do you prefer to do a song straight or do a mix? I am one of those. The only straight thing about me is the fact that I, that <laughs> um, <laughs> I sing, I lip sync a lot of straight songs. I only have like one or two mixes, but I, I think it's just because I don't know. I'm so used to like singing a straight song that sure. it makes sense for me, I guess, to perform or to lip sync a straight song too. Um, but I mean, mad respect to people who can make mixes and perform them. We're going to play Novazar's Ultimate Playlist. Music okay. is universal. It brings people together and helps give a little insight on a person. In this game, we are going to pre- create a playlist of nine songs that are the soundtrack of your life. So okay. I'm going to give you a prompt and you're going to give me the song that fits it. You okay. ready? Mm-hmm. Number one, a song you sing in the shower. Um, <clears throat> right now, it's my most beautiful day from Tuck Everlasting. A song that reminds you of heartbreak. Um, my heart will go on from the Titanic. A song that gets you in the mood to party. Ooh, um, Wet by Nicole Shalabla, whatever her name is from. Scherzinger? Yeah, 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 her. A song that would be the opening credits of the movie of your life. oh gosh that is hilarious um let's just say empress the one that i wrote a song from your first week in new york Mm. um oh perfect day um Mm -hmm. from the yeah yeah yeah, you don't talk about a song that reminds you of your first time in drag Mm. um i'm alive by celine dion a song that reminds a song that you play on repeat um, Hunger by Florence and the Machine. A song that you hated, but you now love. Um, let's see. Um, Into You by Ariana Grande. Finally, the song that made you who you are. Oh, gosh. Um, Define Gravity from Wicked. Well, we're going to do another game. If you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price. But each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. Welcome to the Cameo Game Show. We're going to do the Drag Race 14 and UK vs. the World edition. Okay. All right. First up, who costs more? June Jambalaya or Deja Sky? (laughs) I'm going to say June Jambalaya. It is Deja Sky. Deja is at $40. June is at $25, where she should stay right now. Um, Next, we have Lady Camden or Diabetty. Lady Camden. You would think she is $54. Dia has a dollar up on her, $55. Oh, my gosh. That's expensive. Carrie Colby or Willow Pill? Carrie Colby. It's actually Willow Pill, $59. Carrie is $55. Wow, I'm terrible at this game. Alyssa Hunter or Jasmine Kennedy? Jasmine Kennedy. She's 35. Alyssa is 40. So we're going for trade. People wow. want the trade. Okay, the trade. Got it. Maddie Morphosis or Orion Story? Um, I feel like Maddie Morphosis of her ego. It's true. $39. Orion Story is 30. Yeah. Next we have Angeria, Paris, Van Michaels, or Bosco. Ooh, I'm going to say Angeria. It is. She is 55. Bosco's at 40. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to move across the pond. Blue Hydrangea or Cheryl Hole? Blue Hydrangea. That's true. $50. Cheryl Hole, 48. Next up, 
Bag of chips or Jimbo? Bag of chips. Oh, oh, this is a hard one. I'm going to say bag of chips. It is bag of chips. Jimbo's 55. Bag of chips is 125. She is the most famous woman in Britain. So next we have lemon or Mohart. Mohart. 129 for Mohart. Lemon, $50. You got it. Next we have, I know, right? (laughs) Next we have Janie Jacquet or Pangina Heels. Pangina. She's $40. Janie's at 60. But you all get get your Pangina uh, cameos now before it goes up. Right. Oh, that bitch. Oh, God. Um, Yeah, I saw that episode. Listen, I again, we discuss reality TV. We know what the editors do. We know what the producers do. They amped up that crying so loud backstage. I was like, this is cringeworthy. I can't watch this. This hurts me. Yeah. And then like blue, like shaking. I was like, literally like a, a, a dog that just got kicked. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't wait for the backlash of this one. Yeah. Well, one more question. How much can you get an Ada Vox cameo for? Oh, I, oh, I feel like she's probably like $40 or she's 50 at $100. Good for her. Racking listeners, listeners, please, if you would like to get me an Ada Vox, um, uh, cameo i'm here for it i adore you box uh, she she came to my defense a couple uh a week or so ago uh when all of brazil came for me when i said justice for Adavox box um, uh, in the universe uh, post oops be sorry oh. oh my god yeah i will say i'm also on cameo if anybody wants to book me i think my cameo is like 20 dollars. i'm not that famous there it is um, but or you can just slide into my dms and i'll send you a message for free i don't really care where do you see the state of drag in five years? Um, <clears throat> I think we'll probably be on season 20 of Drag Race um, with franchises probably in every state. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think drag's going to continue to grow globally um, and maybe um, throughout the solar system is my, um, you know, kind of hope, desire and dream. Um, you know, as the Empress of the Galaxy, ruling from planet Exotica. And <clears throat> I hope that more and more people, I hope it becomes, I mean, of course it's like accepted, but I hope it becomes more and more and more and more accepted. And I hope we can see more of it um, on Broadway starring me, Novazar, Empress of the Galaxy. That's and let's say, let's say Elon Musk comes to you and says, I got us to Mars. Do you want to be the first drag performer to perform on Mars? What would you say? I'd say, when are we leaving? There it is. It is Elon Musk, so it's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got the James um, James Webb Telescope, so exactly. Happen. Is nightlife competitive? Yeah, it's very competitive. Too competitive? Um, no, I wouldn't say it's like too competitive because it's also New York, and I feel like New York in general, in so many different ways, is competitive. But it, there's definitely like a lot of competitive elements for sure. Why is drag important to the community? Well, you know, drag is, as a drag queen and as drag queens, we're sort of the queer mascots um, for, for the community. Um, and people look to us in so many different ways for our opinions when it comes to, you know, anything political or anything pop culture related. Um, people also go to a drag show, I think, to sort of forget about what's going on in the outside world, just like theater, um, and to sort of escape. Um, and I think that 
it kind of provides in a way um, a therapeutic experience for people. It makes them laugh, yeah. makes them cry, makes them enjoy themselves or feel good about themselves or sometimes bad about themselves, depending on who you are, what you say. We are going to play everyone's favorite game. It is time for tea time. You are going to spill some tea on some of your favorite friends, sisters, collaborators, people you competed against, people okay. you love, people you hate. I don't know. We're going to find out. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's talk about it. Start, starting off with number one, Queen of the Universe, Drag Queen. Drag Queen. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I, <clears throat> first of all, she's wild. She knows how to party. Um, she loves to smoke some weed and so do I, she, you know, when we were on queen of the universe, um, I remember we were getting like lunch at one point and she was like, it was very early on. And she was like, you know, they're looking for somebody who can kind of cross over into radio. And in that moment, I was like, oh, this show's not for me because I mean, sure. I'm sure I can be on the radio one day, but that's not what I'm trained in. That's not my expertise. And I felt like Greg really knew like what was going on. Mm -hmm. um, so I have these suspicion that she's like this mole, um, but I'm just a conspiracy theorist. Hey, so. I'm here for that conspiracy. Yeah. Let's talk about the next person, Native Ox. As I said, justice for Ada. Justice for Ada. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, one thing that I realized about Ada is that she, she uses Ada, like the, I guess, drag persona to sing. And I feel like we're definitely alike in that way because I don't really like to sing out of drag. Um, but she, and in a way that we're different is that she doesn't like drag is not something that she's really passionate about. Um, and she said this, she, her thing, her whole thing is singing and singing only. And she just uses drag to sing, um, which there's nothing wrong with it. You can use drag, however, the way you want, there's no rules to it. And it's just an art form where you can use it to express yourself how you wish. Um, but in terms of that, like Jada or Ada would never be like on drag race or anything like that. That's not, um, she doesn't like drag in that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've watched her since the, the American Idol days, um, so I've, I've followed her for a very long time and, and, and she is exceptional. She's yeah. a rare drag artist. Yeah, absolutely. She's amazing. All right. Next up, Rahina Voce. Mm. Oh my God, Mia Moore. She is so sweet. So, so, so sweet. So loving. Um, this beautiful, like extroverted energy of just love and passion, um, and she is just, she's one of those people that just makes you feel like really warm, um, and tender. And she loves musical theater. She wanted to go to frozen. She wanted to go to six all on the same day. Like she was like, let's go to the matinee. Then we'll go to dinner. Then we'll go to the night show. And then tomorrow the same thing. And the same thing, like she was like, if I had the money, I'd go to every single show. Um, and that was really exciting for me because we could connect on that level. Um, she also does stuff in Cirque du Soleil. And she's been doing that for many, many, many years um, throughout the world. And I think that is so cool. Um, and this was like her drag debut in a way. People didn't really know who she was, which I think is so interesting. Um, and I still talk to her. She's she's amazing. We also have the same manager as well. She's wonderful. What, would you do something like Cirque du Soleil as a featured vocalist and, and tour sure. oh my and, God. And, and be singing as people are doing insane stunts? Let's do it. I'm, I'm here for it. All right, next we have Rani Kohinoor. 
Ronnie is wild. She's insane. She's quick witted, super mm-hmm. funny. Um, also likes to party. But and when we were in um, in London, she actually was sober, and so she wasn't drinking or anything like that. And she was like, "Just imagine me when I'm not sober." I'm like, "Oh my goodness." Um, <clears throat> she, but her story was so special um, because, as she mentioned, like you can literally get killed for being right. um, just gay, like walking down the street, which really resonated with me um, and sort of had me um, internally like check my privilege and realize like I'm a white queen from New York City in the grand scheme of things, you know, and Ronnie is this queen from India where it's so dangerous just to be who you are. And so if anybody was to move forward in the competition over me, I'm very glad that it was her. All right, next up, Leona Winter. Leona, oh my gosh, she, (laughs) so she might seem like a little demure. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, she's like this French princess with this beautiful husband, but when she gets a little liquor in her, she can be kind of wild. And I really live for it. Um, she has kind of like an alter ego, um, about her and, but she likes to party. Um, and she also super sweet, beautiful. Her makeup. Oh my gosh. Was is just, she's amazing. She's polished and pageant and gloriously stunning. I, I love her. I mean, that first performance blew me away. I was like, Edith Piaf is making me like stand out of my chair. What? Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. All right. Someone who I also think alongside you got the raw deal. Betty Bishlap. Oh my God. Okay. Betty, that bitch is crazy. Betty is not afraid to speak her mind. Um, which I really respect that about her. She um, also recently I was going through like last month, I was going through this like weird um, depression moment and I was posting a lot of um, morbid things on my Instagram story and her and her partner actually are both like DMing me like, are you okay? What's going on? What do you need to talk about? Um, and I really like respect um, her in that way and that she always checks in on her sisters and she knew a lot about London too. Cause she's from Denmark. Um, right. And she had been in London a couple of times and also did musical theater too. Um, but very, yeah, very strong willed sometimes can be um, a little stubborn and a little hard headed, but definitely like at the end of the day is um, knows how to have a conversation with somebody and um, not be overbearing in that way. Next up collecting the rings, the stones of drag. It's Jujubee. Jujubee. Mm, you know, <clears throat> like I said, I never, I never thought that I was going to be like friends with her and she is so down to earth and so humble. Um, and after everything she's been through and everything she's done, it's, it's still wild to me that she, she is like how she is. Um, cause I can literally go to her about anything and she's there to help me out. She helped me get my booking agency and my manager gave me a lot of advice on what to do after the show. Um, and she's, she's actually like really frugal, believe it or not. Um, and she, she also likes to smoke weed, which we live for. She has a boyfriend who lives in New York. Um, and they, you know, have a long distance relationship and she's currently doing death drop, which is a musical mystery yep. musical in, in the UK. With the amazing Kitty Scott Claus. Right. I DM'd them and I was like, I want to do this. It left me on red. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, no, I, I, Juju is amazing. She's really, really, really dope. Is it hard watching her on UK versus the world right now? 
Yeah, but I will say she warned me. She was like, she's like, it's not going to be like what you, what you expect from me. Um, and I think it's just because at this point, I mean, I can, I can't really like speak for Juju, but I think putting myself in her shoes, there's no prize money for Yuki versus the world. Right. And she's done so much. We know what she can do at this point. It's like, what more do you want from her? And I think she's just kind of doing it for fun. And she told me that <clears throat> she looks at TV kind of like, real estate like houses like you'll buy a house you'll invest in it and then you'll move on and so that's kind of like i feel like what she's doing when it comes to her tv career and she's lasted this long so she's doing something correct absolutely she she's very good at what she does yeah all right let's keep it in the drag race family honey davenport oh my god okay Honey and I have a very special relationship because aesthetically we're nothing alike um and we don't go to each other for anything drag, I guess, aesthetic related, but honey has actually helped me with a lot of business moves, um, and helped me get out of some sort of like sticky drama that I was dealing with in the past, um, with close friends and even family members, like within, within our, um, uh, on our family, um, and just gives me the best advice and is so loving and so supportive of who I am and what I do from, from like the first day that I met her. Um, and she, even to this day, like, you know, um, we're even working at the monster, um, is controversial for us, but she still, she like respects me, respects my, um, my, my bag, (laughs) um, and understands, um, that I need to do what I need to do. Um, and she just, she loves me for me and for who I am and helps me grow. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for everything she's given me and offered me. Um, she's amazing. Next up, there wouldn't be Paul Queen without him, Phil Chanel. Phil, oh my gosh. So Phil's like my big sister. Um, Phil doesn't know how to end a conversation, but you know, we love him <laughs> for it. Um, he's so ambitious and he just loves drag and he loves to give people and queens an opportunity to do drag. Um, and as somebody, you know, he doesn't do drag, but he's such a supporter of it. And I think that that is so important to have in this community. Um, and he does so much for drag and just wants to be involved as much as he possibly can. And I think it's, I think it's really endearing. I I love Phil. Would you ever put Phil in drag? What would it look like? Oh goodness. I feel like Phil would be this like high whore, like Jersey shore kind of like snooky moment. I would love to see that. Yeah. All right. Next up, Fifi Dubois. Fifi, oh my God. Okay. I'm a big Fifi Dubois fan. Every time I see her, I tell her that I'm her biggest fan and she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, but she is, in my opinion, one of the best dancers in New York city. Mm-hmm. Um, she just knows how to captivate an audience and she's so graceful and smooth and slick with her moves. Um, and her lip syncs can be really, really funny. And she's just like, polished and i think she looks like kind of like a 90s supermodel very mod um and i just i love her name like i love the way it sounds i love everything about fifi like she's a good time we've known each other for a while and you know even though my drag is nothing like hers like she still respects what i do and that means a lot to me um and i look up to her in many many ways she really knows how to host a show and like kind of carry an audience um i think a lot of people can learn a lot from fifi dubois Next, we have Christy Blaze. Christy Blaze. Oh, that crazy bitch. 
Um, she's also one of my drag mothers, um, which happened through Polish the Queen as well. And she <clears throat> has always had my back. She's always gotten me a gig in Jersey. Um, she's always been really supportive. And again, like our aesthetics are not any, could not be any more different. Um, but she just, she really supports what I do. And even from day one, like when nobody in the audience at, at Stonewall at Polish Queen understood what I was doing, she was like, I get what you're doing. Um, and so was like, take, let me take you under my wing and, um, <laughs> wing, LOL. Um, wow. that, um, yeah, that, that always meant a lot to me. Next, we have another Polish winner, Elise Navy Dad. Oh, goodness. Elise. She is um, another kind of musical theater person that I've known for a while. Um, and we have a lot of mutual friends in that way. She's always like just so sweet and kind of like a down ass bitch. And I live for that. Um, I don't really see her too often. But when I do see her, it's always like a nice little reunion because we're like in the winner circle. So mm -hmm. someone who's, who, who added a glam award to her name, Tina Twirler. Tina Twirler, let me <clears throat> say this. Tina Twirler, um, I'll be honest, we don't talk to each other. Um, we don't really run in the same circles, but I respect her art. I respect what she does. I've known Tina for a very long time. Um, and I, I, even though I may not agree with, you know, uh, what she does or what she says or whatever, um, I think that she's definitely come a very long way um, and she's really passionate about what she does and she's, she's killing it. So my mad respect for her. Next up, Victoria Falls. Victoria Falls, my Fire Island sister. Um, she also is another really supportive queen. She just came to one of my shows recently. Um, and we, you know, we did Fire Island last summer without knowing each other. And there was a lot of rocky moments between us because we had never worked with each other before and didn't really know each other's styles. But at the end of the day, she is a really sweet person with a really sweet heart. Um, she loves drag. She loves to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk on the microphone. Sometimes doesn't know when to stop. Um, but I love her for it. Next, we have Holly Day. Holly Day, okay. Holly Day is an interesting individual. Um, she's been around for many, many years, 16 plus, and she will let every audience she graces know it. Um, she is another one who our aesthetics are so different, but she just like has always respected what I do and has helped me get to a certain point in New York City nightlife and has connected me to a lot of people, a lot of producers. Um, and bar owners such as like Rise and The Spot and even people in Jersey. Um, and especially at the Monster, we work together every single week. And she doesn't like to, she's like, I'm not your drag mother. I'm not your drag sister. I'm your drag aunt. So um, she, she I, I think for some reason, she sees something in me that she really respects and likes. Um, and she just always has my back. And anytime that she can book me, she does. She's booked me for Queen twice, which is like amazing. Um, and yeah, I'm really grateful for Holly. She's really cool. Next up, Jada Valenciaga. Oh, goodness. You know, Jada and I used to work together on a show called Curtains Up that she is still a part of that I'm no longer a part of. Um, and, you know, me and Jada don't talk anymore. And all I will say is that I respect what she does. I respect how long she's been around. Um, I think she's definitely very talented. Do I think she's good to work with? No, I don't. And I'll be blatantly honest about that. Um, 
but I do think that she has a drive and a passion for what she does. And that's something that I can respect. She's also writing a new musical, which is um, amazing and super difficult to do. And I hope that that is really successful. Um, and I wish her well. And finally, I want to see on that bitch, Lyra Vega. Oh my gosh. Oh, Lyra. She makes my heart melt. So Lyra moved here, I think like a year and a half ago or something like that, maybe two. It was like before the pandemic for sure. And we actually met at Rock Bar and she, I think she was playing some instrument and she came up to me because I was singing, she played an instrument and she was like, oh, you know, like I play a bunch of instruments, like maybe we should collab. Um, and I was like, oh, like, what do you play? Blah, blah, blah. And she mentioned the piano and I'm like, oh, bitch, like we could make some magic together. Um, and it just kind of was like, I guess, love at first sight in terms of like our musicality together. Um, <clears throat> and she's so, she's always so down for anything I want to do um in terms of like wanting to do a cabaret or wanting to do a concert or um she's so talented on the piano and she knows how to sight read like nobody I've ever met in my entire life like I can give her an obscure piece of music how did I end up here from romance romance which is a show in like the late 80s into the 90s never heard it before and she can play it like she's been playing it for years so like you that, should test her on Sondheim and Jason Robert Brown. See how she does. I do. Oh, I do. Oh, I give her obscure <laughs> shit. Um, and she just, she just is so, we really know how, like, when we do a show together, it's magic. We know our chemistry just works really well together. Um, and we have, like, sort of the same interests in musical theater, um, which always makes me smile. And she's just like an amazing sister that I'm, I feel so blessed and grateful for, um, because, you know, it's one thing to be able to sing, um, and, you know, of course, sing on a microphone with like a backing track, but when you can add a live element such as the piano, and then on top of that, she's in drag and like a really good person and really good to work with. And her drag is also beautiful. It's like really, um, fulfilling in so many different ways and so lyra is my sister i have her back forever i love her and i'm grateful for her and and she kind of had like a, a bit of a, a galactical space vibe yeah like, prior to meeting you so it kind of was serendipitous yeah like very meant to be in a way um so yeah she's my space sister i love her if you weren't doing drag what would you be doing um musical theater i'd be doing broadway probably because that was what i did for like 15 years um so yeah obviously it's a very different different experience but what is your go-to karaoke song uh, uh, um if i could turn back time by share naturally naturally yeah okay you've fallen down a rabbit hole on youtube what are you watching videos of oh gosh you know um hmm. i've been watching a lot of um like development of the James Spa uh, James Webb telescope and like wanting to know the updates about what's going on and seeing like the photos of the galaxy and stuff. I think that's really interesting. Um, also like brain surgery, um, what happens when you die? Um, I, I watch a lot of things of like people have had like near death experiences and like what they, what they experience like on the afterlife when they come back. I think it's really interesting. Um, yeah, those are, those are, oh also a lot of broadway interviews like right now i'm watching um a lot of like carolee carmelo she's had such an extensive amazing career i think it's so interesting um yeah any like leading lady 
in musical theater, I've probably watched a bunch of their interviews on Broadway.com multiple times. Love that. All right. So this is a pitch to Paramount and to CBS. You're, you're part of the family. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick one queen of the universe sister to be your partner on the amazing race, who would it be? Oh, wow. Hmm. You know what? I would probably say Rahina. Okay. I think it's because she is a high voice like me. And um, there's a lot of musical theater duets that we could do. And we would connect on that level in so many ways. And she's really good to work with and really sweet. Um, And I love her drag. She's fierce. Now, obviously, The Amazing Race, you do crazy things. Who's going to be eating the weird things? Who's jumping off the buildings? Who's doing what? I think Rahina would probably eat the weird things because I think mm-hmm. she's like adventurous in that way. And I have like a very particular um, food palette. Like I'm not, I, I get like weird about stuff like that. Um, but I'll jump off a building. Why not? Sure. I'll do all the physical, like the, yeah, the, well, actually, no, no, no. She was in Circus Soleil. So maybe she'll jump off the building and I'll just eat the thing and then throw up afterwards. Here it is. Listen, yeah. CBS, the amazing drag race. Right. Gotta be a thing. Let's do it. Come happen. on. So I have my previous guests ask my current guest a question, and this is a question from Opal Essence. Okay. If you could collab with any local drag queen, who would it be? Well, I mean, I collab with Lyra all the time, so I guess I probably should say somebody else, right? Someone you haven't worked with yet. Somebody I haven't worked with yet. I've worked with a lot of people. Um, But somebody who I haven't worked with yet. Let me think, let me think, let me think. Um, that's a difficult question. Oh, you know what? The Dragon Sisters. Oh, honey, I would love to work with them. We, yeah. like, we know each other and like we're friends. When we see each other out, it's like really, it's always a kiki. Um, but in terms like, it'd be cool to, to like- You should be the guest feature on one of their tracks. Yeah, that would be amazing. Like just do some high belting while they're like yeah. rapping underneath. Oh, I would live. There it is. All right, now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question, and it can be a question about anything you want. Hmm. Hmm. Let me think. Um. Okay. And let me, let me think. I would say, if you could change one thing about um, New York City, what would you change? I love that one. Very open ended. Yeah. We love to try to expand the audience and the family of Block Talk. Who do you want to hear an interview from in the future? Mm, you know what? Why don't we say, mm, this is difficult because there's so many people. Um, you know, if you haven't interviewed Fifi Dubois. Um, oh, I have many years ago, but we are doing the uh, Block Talk back where I am bringing people back for their oh second gosh. round. Phoebe Dubois. I want to hear from her. All right, let's see how things have changed. Yeah. I think she was part of like the first 100 episodes and we're in the 400s now, so. Oh, yeah. This has definitely changed. Yeah, bring her back. (laughs) Well, where can we find you on social media, Venmo, and any projects that you want to plug? Sure. Um, Okay, so, and if you want to come see me in person, I work at the Monster Bar on Thursdays, Friday for Spunk on Thursdays. I'm working in the back. I don't perform, but I'm in a cool look. Friday, um, I do the RuPaul's Drag Race viewing party at the Monster. Saturday, I work the door at the Monster and also do a number downstairs with Holly Day. Um, on Sundays, I work at Pieces Bar at the door and then I also, for Spunk, and I also perform. Um, every second Sunday, I have a cabaret show um, called Supernova, a live singing um, 
drag array monthly situation with Lyra Vega at this place called Pangea in the Lower East Side. Um, I also now am part of Wasted Wednesdays every first Wednesday with Holly Day at the Monster as well. Um, if you want to find me on social media, my social media, my Instagram is Novazar, N-O-V-A-C-Z-A-R. Um, my Facebook is Novazar. My Venmo, if you want to tip me, um, is Novazar. My cash app is Novazar Queen. My TikTok, my Twitter is, or my Twitter is Novazar NYC. And then my TikTok is Novazar as well. Amazing. Well, it was so fabulous having you on the show. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you so much. I had a blast. A huge thanks to Novazar for coming on. Subscribe on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk to show support for the pod. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm-hmm.